This audio production is brought to you by TheBestDayEver.com, David Wolf's premium longevity member site. The content found on TheBestDayEver.com from David Wolf and New Horizon Health, Inc. is for informational purposes only and is in no way intended as medical advice, as a substitute for medical counseling, or as treatment cure for any disease or health condition, and nor should it be construed as such because that would be illegal. Always work with a qualified health professional before making any changes to your diet, supplement use, prescription drug use, lifestyle, or exercise activities. Please understand that you assume all risks from the use, non-use, or misuse of this information. All right, welcome everyone. This is your host, Lucian Gauthier, and I am here for the much-anticipated monthly interview with David Avocado-Wolf coming off the heels of the Longevity Now conference. Dave is in Australia right now, and so Dave, you're coming to us live, and your internet connection, from what I understand, is a little bit sketchy, so we're not going to waste any time. We're going to jump right into the questions. The first question is, Dear Dave, you mentioned the fact that bed springs or box springs increase the EMF field. I was wondering if grounding the bed springs with a wire in addition to grounding yourself, would be an effective way to counteract that magnification effect. Thanks. Yes, it would be, absolutely. Uh, what, what I'm saying is, is about a box spring, typically it's a dirty capacitor. So what's happening is, is energy is hitting it, and it's discharging that energy in a weird way, in a weird pattern. Um, and, you know, that pattern, we have no idea what the effects of those forms are because the box spring is obviously a number of spiral forms. And so it's going to be sending energy up and down. And if it has a static charge on it and it's, you know, it's gotten rusty and it's been there for 30 years and it's never grounded before, it's going to have a weird energy attached to it. I mean, that's that's kind of what I've learned from playing around with grounding is that stuff that sits around that's suspended off the ground that's metal, it can acquire a, a, like a dirty electricity, like a dirty charge, and the grounding cleans it off. And that's also true of our cars. Um, that's one of the reasons why I like to have my car grounded. It just clears the energy of the car completely. It's, it's interesting. It's just a subtle energy that you get tuned into. So the answer to the question is yes. If you if you attach a ground wire to that box spring, it'll, it'll push that dirty energy off. It might take a while. It might take an hour or two. It doesn't happen immediately. Like with my roof, it took about two days. And Dave, I've got a question to uh, follow up with there. And it comes from when I'm working the grounding booth at the longevity conferences or the women's wellness conference. Sometimes people will come up and ask about plugging into the grounding socket or the grounding um, portion of the socket. If you live in a big city like New York or, you know, you're, you're in downtown LA or something and there's so much electricity going around that the earth is absorbing all that electricity is grounding it. But by grounding, are you plugging into that sort of like vortex of positive charge going into the earth in those certain spots? Okay, good. Good question. Um, let's start. Let's just take that apart piece by piece. First of all, the the idea of grounding is that there's a shield of, electric, of, of negatively charged electricity that pushes up. And if you're testing your plugs and you don't have a, a like a dirty um, electricity sitting on the ground wire. For example, there's a, the thing is wired incorrectly, and so there's a charge actually on the ground wire. So if you check the plug and it actually is a grounded plug and it's correct, 
then we go to step two, which is, okay, that it might be safe even in spite of all that. Now, I've done that a lot in New York City and in many cities, grounded anyway into the system of that hotel or the system of where I was staying or that apartment or whatever, and it worked. It, it wasn't – I didn't get the feeling that I was plugged into the overall city environment. So just again, I get the idea that, that you know if you have the three pl- prongs, one of those prongs is the ground, that because the ele- other electricity is close – you would think that, okay, that's going to affect the ground or, you know, the, the ground is, is somehow carrying some of that electricity. And the answer is no. The ground actually pushes the uh, other electricity off of itself and it pushes it off of you too. Now, then there's the idea of, okay, that we have all this charge going into the ground or, or you know, this assault onto the ground, positively hot electricity, like positive charge basically. Because is that going to screw up the, like, the ground energy? And well, that's what a lot of people argue but it doesn't it won't you won't show up on an oscilloscope it's going to show up as ground neutral that's why even in a city you could still wire in cable 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 television and and all the wires and everything else that are grounded even in a city because there's it's not like there's a, a bigger noise in a city in the ground than maybe outside of the city although common sense would say maybe there is but it doesn't show up on an, like an oscilloscope so that you know, that's how that's how I can answer that. I mean, somebody's going to have to prove me wrong, actually, and they're going to have to prove that the ground actually has a charge on it that's unusually high, or or you know, show me that data on an oscilloscope, and then I'll believe it. But no one's been able to do that yet. And would it be theoretically correct to state that the Earth can absorb like an infinite amount of like electric charge, like you know what Manhattan produces or downtown LA produces in terms of electricity is you know a millifraction of what the Earth can actually absorb. And that there is no really like upper limit to what the Earth can absorb. Yeah, it, 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 you might be right. What it might be doing is putting more energy out in New York. Now I've seen that. That's that's interesting. Ah. So if I have a charge on me, like if I have a zapper on me, yeah, th- let's check this out. This is important for people to know this, and, and this is something that took me a while to get this. That basically, if if I'm if I'm carrying a charge on me, let's say I have a zapper on me, and I and I I'm measured on an oscilloscope, that zapper is going to show up on the oscilloscope. As soon as I ground myself, the Earth will send an exact phase, out of phase um, wave of energy to counteract and neutralize that charge on me, that device on me. It will actually react with an equal and opposite charge to push that off. And it does that in the low frequency range. As far as I understand it, definitely like zero to 60 hertz, definitely, or even into a thousand hertz. Ah, okay. That's why you've always told people to not zap and ground at the same time. That's super interesting. What it is is that in the low frequency range, which is like your normal electricity, all your appliances, by being grounded, you'd be completely protected. It basically will completely neutralize those low frequency radiations. Okay, next question. Dear Avocado, someone close to me is challenged with scoliosis. She is holistically oriented, but unsure what to do as the doctors are strongly advising surgery, stating that she can expect to be wheelchair-bound soon without it. Any suggestions? Thanks. I would have her contact uh, my friend Ruby Roth. Ruby Roth is like a vegan activist from L.A., and she has scoliosis, and she's done some very innovative things. And it's, it's basically allowed her to live a normal life. And she knows a lot. She knows a tremendous amount in that area. So if you get on Facebook, she's the author of of the book Why We Don't Eat Animals, and it's like a it's like a kids colored book, um, beautiful book. 
And she's a good person to talk to. I mean, that's who I would go to with that question. She she would know better than I because she's been dealing with it her whole life, and she's done some pretty cool things. Dear Dave, please tell me, is it safe to zap while breastfeeding? Also, what type of medicinal mushroom is best for my baby? She's six months old. Thanks. Okay, great. Um, is it well? If you're zapping yourself and you're breastfeeding your baby, your baby's going to actually be zapped too. And I don't have any data or research that says, you know, babies and zappers work out, don't work out, whatever. I would assume that it's going to be fine because zapper is a very friendly energy and um, it's a very nourishing energy. I mean, when you see how it works on an infection, for example, then, you know, then you kind of get the feeling for what kind of energy it is. So I would say that's fine. Um, but that's just a guess. I mean, we don't have any hard research on this and we probably won't until, you know, things turn around in the hallowed halls of science. Um, so the next thing is what kind of mushroom is good for a child in the beginning? Well, we have to go completely with where the research is, which is reishi mushrooms. Reishi mushroom mycelium biomass, especially when it tastes malty, that's a very, very safe food, a very good first food for, for a baby. Wow, that's so timely. This question just came up last night. Me and Daly were talking about what's going to be River's first food. She's about seven months now, and she's definitely developing a curiosity into foods. And just last night, we came to the conclusion, we decided that her first food is going to be the reishi mycelium mass combined with breast milk, put in a little smoothie, and that's going to be her first food. That's a brilliant idea. It's, it's, it's kind of really, it's, I, I think it's fascinating, this thing that, that I'm finding out just recently is that reishi babies, babies that are the parents or that, that are from parents who took a lot of reishi, um, that had the mom had taken a lot of reishi when um, she was pregnant with the baby, and then um, even afterwards while breastfeeding, also taking a lot of reishi. Those babies are neurologically more well-developed. I can pretty much say that with certainty now. I've seen enough cases of it. And so they basically, by six months, they're already standing up. They have more hand-eye coordination, and it appears to be that reishi is, is the key thing there. While Daly was pregnant, she just pounded the reishi. We, we, we did the reishi spore oil. We did reishi tea. We did the reishi capsules. We did I mean tons and tons of reishi and I'm just still shocked um, every single day at how aware, alert, cognizant she is of her surroundings, other people, her curiosity. And when she's around other babies, even babies that are significantly older by a few months, she just blows them away in terms of like her her cognitive ability and her awareness. It's just it's just it's stunning. And uh, we attribute that all to the Rishi that we took while she was pregnant. Yeah, so so that's an amazing discovery right there. And that that's like it was really interesting getting to meet Roy Dittman, who wrote the book The Brighton Baby. And that's probably the most complete book I've ever seen on how to have have a healthy pregnancy. And one of the things that influenced him was a book from India that was like how to how to give birth to and raise saints, yogis and masters or something like that. I was like, whoa, what a concept this book in India that had really influenced him. Just the idea of that, like, wait, you could actually bring into the world a saint or a person who could actually heal the whole planet or that that's, you know, that, that is possible. Well, what was that person going to be nourished by? Well, what about Rishi from birth? What about some of these amazing superfoods and super herbs from the time they're able to eat anything? I mean, that's, that's the kids who are coming in right now. And it's, it's pretty amazing what's happening. And I can't help but think that just with our great opportunity now in, in the times that we live in, we can combine Amazonian shamanism, Chinese medicine, Ayurveda, all the different superfoods of all the different systems, their herbs, and we can just produce, you know, for a woman who's pregnant, we can just give them just really an unprecedented level of nutrition and superfoods and 
you know, information from plants that has never been possible before. So we can literally create new babies and humans that have never been created before. Exactly. And you'll be able to get right to the point with certain things like reishi, like reishi in every form, reishi mycelium biomass, reishi extracts, wild reishi, wild reishi tea, all, all that stuff comes into the equation. I, I think it's, I think it's a promising future because that's going to be way more prevalent in the world. And it's, and it's, what's really cool about the whole thing is that is we're like, we're developing this understanding that the polypores of which Rishi is the most prominent representative and the most well studied have something to do like as an ally in our overall development of consciousness. This is this thing I've been talking about recently that basically there's as many diets as there are people on the planet. It's just you got to just figure out what diet's going to take you to that level of awareness and consciousness that you want to go. And the mushrooms open up a whole part of that. They open up a whole thing of like understanding and consciousness and awareness and depth and neurological um, development and just it's just amazing and if we don't have it we can live without them but if we have it then it, it opens up a different part of ourselves Dave you wrote that phenomenal book the sun food diet success system and that really talked about the sun foods that can really help to promote your health in just extraordinary ways and I'm just wondering now you know coming to the flip side of things and looking at mushrooms and spring water and all that stuff what are some of the lunar energies or some what are the, some of the lunar foods or you know, activities we can engage in to kind of get the balance of like sun and moon energy into our physical body? Great question. I mean, one of the main things that's affected by the moon is the, is the flow of spring water. So you always want to collect spring water on the full moon at midnight would be the ideal time during the month to actually get your spring water. And so that means it's affecting the water in all the plants. And so that has, that has a, that's like getting more specific about when to pick your fruit. For example, when the moon is full in the late summer, that's when you want to pick your apples, that kind of a thing, because the water's in the tree, the fruit's juicy, and that's that's when you want to do it. The, yeah, of course, the whole mushroom kingdom, I think that's an interesting concept to go look in, like, because the mushrooms are so related to the, to the level of subtle moisture in the atmosphere, and they're going to show up right when that subtle moisture is is, you know, always prevalent. For example, if a log falls over a creek, usually that log gets hit by mush, by polypores and then they can, they can live right and breathe right on top of that water. So they get that, that kind of gentle food supply or that gentle bit of water that's, you know, that water vapor that nourishes them. And that's reactive to the moon. So, you know, it's, it's a, it's a deep question because then we would get into like, okay, if we want to go really, and I think about this all the time, like sun food diet is so basic. But it's really earth-based food, and then the, some foods are based out of the sun, and some foods are strongly influenced by the moon. And then we start talking about the inner planets versus the outer planets. Rudolf Steiner says that the inner planets control annual plants, and the outer planets are controlled, are controlling and influencing, and the stars beyond them are controlling and influencing plants that are perennial. So trees that bark over, for example, that can withstand the weather and the cycles, they're going to take on an energy that's more from the outer planet. For instant access to hundreds of clips just like this one, please go to thebestdayever.com. That's thebestdayever.com. This program was brought to you by thebestdayever.com. Thanks for listening.